This is the Byron Bledsoe Podcast, Senior Pastor of C3 Church in Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for checking out today's message. We hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. Hey, welcome to C3 and thank you for choosing to hang out with us for a few minutes. Today, today is going to be a little bit unique and my heart in this is not that I'm talking to some vast audience online, but I'd like to just talk to you, just you and me. Like if we're sitting down at a coffee shop, I, I don't know what drink you would order. You can throw it in the chat about what drink you'd like. Me, if I have a choice, I'm probably today going to grab the maple bourbon from Vesper. I don't know if they still do that, but maple bourbon, it was awesome. And, and listen, listen, calm down. The bourbon is just a flavor. That's all it is. So it's not that kind of meeting. It's this kind of meeting. But if you and I could just sit down for a few moments, my entire goal today, everything about this day is, listen, I want to help you. I want to help you. And I'm asking God to help us. Because today, it's going to be unique because we're going to do a little bit of a spiritual checkup. And when you go to the doctor and he begins to push around and check on you, if he hits a sensitive spot, we react. And the doctor might say something like, do you feel that? Yeah, I felt that. Yeah, right there. That, that's it. And the doctor usually would tell us that what hurts needs to be checked further because it's not supposed to hurt. And so let's do a little bit of a spiritual physical this morning because our spiritual life, we're in a new year, 2021, our spiritual life is what's going to drive the rest of our life. Because think about it. The spiritual life is what lasts forever. And so what flows from the spirit impacts the physical, mental, emotional, everything else flows from this. And so I want to do a spiritual physical because based on the symptoms of a lot of people I talk to, and maybe you have some of these symptoms as well, there are a lot of people that say, I'm stuck spiritually. Maybe you would say that. Or I feel like there's a lack of the presence of God in my life. Maybe that's you. Or I feel like my prayer life is, is kind of empty. I feel like my prayers go unanswered. And when I pray, it feels like they just bounce off the ceiling. And I don't really feel any kind of connection with God. Maybe you would say, I'm, I'm plagued with worry. Or I have more frustration than I have joy. Or if I look at my life, I haven't really seen the significant blessings of God in my life. Scripture calls God the great physician, and I believe the great physician is recommending if, if those areas hurt, if they're a little sensitive, we need to go deeper, and that needs to be checked further. And so you're going to feel this. I'm going to feel this, but we have to address it to get better. So I'm going to press in, and I'm going to go a little bit deeper in your life to what may be an uncomfortable place, might even be a little bit of a painful place. But, but if you have the courage to hang with me through this, if we can just have this conversation, and, and why am I talking to just you instead of a lot of people? One simple reason, you matter. And I am praying that this year would be the best year of your life. Yeah, their life too, but your life. So let's look at this text, John chapter 12. I think it's going to speak to us today. Verse 1, Scripture says, Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus raised from the dead. That happened about a month before this. 
Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him, with Jesus. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It's worth a year's wages. She just poured out a year's salary as an act of worship toward Jesus. Judas, he did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was in it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. This morning for the next few moments, I, I want to talk about what we do with our financial life. I want to talk about our generosity, our giving, and even our tithing. And if, if when I say that, there's a little bit of, Ugh! wait, 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 don't, don't hit me. Listen, one, one more phrase. Listen, it's an indication, if there's that reaction, that there's a deeper spiritual problem. That until you address, until I address, we can never live in freedom. We can never live the life God created us to live. This one thing impacts everything. How do I know this? I'm not just saying this because I'm a pastor. I'm saying this because I believe it so deeply. And in part, the reason I believe it is because Scripture teaches it and Scripture's never been wrong. But also because when I talk about this subject, I get more emails, have more conversations, hear from more people that say thank you because of how it changes their life than any other topic I talk about. And maybe part of the reason there are those thoughts and there's that pushback, maybe part of the reason is because our enemy knows if you step into what I'm going to talk about and I step into what I'm talking about, it changes everything. It changes the year. It changes our lives. So today in this master class, we're, we're going to talk about tithing and giving. Now, when I say that, does it hurt right there? Do we need to go a little bit deeper? Many of you would say, yeah, that, that kind of hurts because this isn't something you've mastered in your life and you don't see. Maybe you don't see how it's making you sick spiritually or anemic financially or maybe even malnourished in your faith. And some of you know this moment, I hope you know, can change everything. See, we tend to put a lot of things off in life, but the reality is the future is now. And the future is built by what we do now. The future is now. And so today, in the spiritual exam, I, I, I'm going to give you a prescription. And here's the prescription to make where it hurts better. Here's the prescription to change so many things in your life. And I'm going to show you how. The prescription is premeditated giving. Premeditated giving. This is going to cure a lot of what's wrong. And you won't believe how much better you will, you, you'll be and how you'll think, man, I wish I would have done that sooner. I, I can't believe the difference. I didn't know how bad it was. And here's the amazing thing about this. Even if you're not a Christ follower, what I'm going to talk about today will work. This spiritual principle will work whether you're a Christ follower or not. And I'm going to show you that. Now, notice the text. There are two natures that happen in these verses, two natures that are revealed in these verses. One is God, and the other one is our enemy, Satan. And God has the characteristic of generosity, and the enemy has the characteristic of selfishness. And you and I function day by day in one of those two natures, being generous or being selfish. In verse 3, Mary 
Mary is so moved that she had to do something beyond. She couldn't just settle for what's typically done. She, she had to go beyond. And she takes this extravagant gift, a year's salary. Now, she didn't give it because she had a big savings account. She didn't give this because it was easy. She didn't give this because she had more. She did this because she had experienced the more that God can bring into our lives. And she pours it all out on Jesus. So one of the things I think it's important to understand is when my heart is grateful, my response is generosity. When my heart is grateful, my response is automatically generosity. She could not wait a moment longer because the future is now. But we notice the response of Judas in verse 6. Why not give it all to the poor? He wasn't giving to the poor. He was stealing. And Mary expresses this extravagant generosity. And notice what Judas called waste, Mary and Jesus call worship. And see, I think God's watching. God's watching our day-to-day lives. I believe God is a fan. I believe he's cheering for us. I believe God wants the best for us. But he's also watching to determine, can we be trusted with more? Can you, can you be trusted with more? Can I be trusted with more? He even tells us that in Luke chapter 16, Scripture says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever's dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And God desires that we experience true riches. We see that over and over again in Scripture. So premeditated giving is the prescription. And biblically, there are three types of giving. If we look at the Bible, there are three different ways that God lays out, hey, here's how you lean into generosity in your life. Here's how you abandon selfishness in your life. The first one is the tithe. Tithe is a mathematical term. It just means 10%. And God says, what I want you to do, everything I've given you, everything I've blessed you with, it all comes from me. Think about it. Every single thing. And you may think, no, I'm a self-made person. I've earned this myself. Well, who gave you the gifts and the talents to be able to do that? The Bible says every good thing we have comes from God. And God says, what I want you to do is an act of faith so that you and I can know. So it's a reminder to us that that God is our protector, God is our provider. God says, I want you to bring the first 10%. First is a big deal to God. He doesn't want to be second, third, fourth, or fifth. It's first or nothing. Bring the first 10% to my church, to the local church, because the church, Scripture says, is what Jesus died for. Now, before you think, oh, you're just saying that because you're a pastor and you you want us to send 10% of our income, you're asking me right now. We're we're sipping the coffee, having the conversation, and you're asking me to give your church 10%, my online church 10%. No, I believe in this so much that if you think I'm trying to manipulate you, give the 10% somewhere else. I want God to work in your life. I want God to to be able to do some things in your life that may be your lack of obedience. I, I love you enough to just let it be a little bit awkward. Your lack of obedience could be holding back what God wants to do. So if you think I have some ulterior motive, give the 10% somewhere else to a church that you believe in, to a church that you think is making a difference. Scripture does teach that first 10% goes to the local church. Not good organizations, not other charities, but the first 10%. And then the second step is offerings. That can be to the church for special initiatives or over and above, just out of remember gratitude. We're generous when we have a heart of gratitude. Or it can be to other organizations or other people. And then the third step is extravagant offerings. Now, there are only a very few that actually reached that place and experienced that kind of joy. 
But I think one of the things that's important to know is in this prescription, you can't take number two or number three until you take number one. It only works if you take number one first, the tithe. And our God, he knows. And it's what he says in Luke chapter 16. If he can't trust you to bring the first 10% on 25,000 a year, he knows you won't bring the first 10% on 250,000 a year. And you might be thinking, man, I'd, I'd like to do that. I mean, I get it. Maybe you've heard what scripture teaches about this before and how God says, hey, live on 90% of your income. Bring me 10% back. Don't give, bring, because it's already God's. We're bringing it back to him. When you live on 90%, God blesses. When you live on 100%, with you in charge, with me in charge, we remove God's ability to bless and protect and provide the way he'd like to. And maybe you're thinking, man, I'd, I'd love to do that. I just don't think I can. I mean, I, I want to. Listen, it only takes a step of faith. God can do a lot with a little. It was just a little stick in Moses' hand that God used. It was a little slingshot in David's hand that God used. It, it was a, a, a little ox goat in Shamgar's hand that God used. A little bit of faith always gets big results because little is enough when that little is placed in God. And the blessings of God, hey, listen, don't, don't think, man, well, when I, when I get to this place, when I get that paid off or, or when we get past the season or, or when I get that raise, listen, the more desperate your situation, the more you need the partnership of God in that situation. The blessings of God don't come through what we don't have. The blessings of God come through what we do have. And so we need to trust him with that. Here's the perspective from God's word. Here's how God lays it out. And, and remember, God said this, not me. So, so if this hurts, it's, it's a symptom that there's a deeper issue, and this is an issue that needs to be addressed in your life. God says in Malachi 3, verse 8, you rob me. God actually says we rob him. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. So God says, if you're not bringing the first 10%, and if you don't have moments of your life where you're so moved out of gratitude for who I am and how I love you that you don't see a person in need and give to them or, or you, don't, you don't think, man, I, I want to give even more to my church because of how they're impacting the community and beyond. Or you hear about a family that's going through a tough spot. Man, let, let's for the next couple months, let's give toward them. It's interesting. He said, you're robbing me in tithes and offerings. See, the tithe is just the starting point. We don't lean into generosity until we move to the offerings. And in this verse, he says, you're robbing me of what's mine. All I ask is 10%. It's a trust factor. It's a heart issue. It's not a financial issue. It's a heart issue. At the end of the day, do I trust God? Do I believe what he says? But he also says something else. When he says you're robbing me, he doesn't just say you're robbing me of what's mine. He's saying you're robbing me of what's yours. You're robbing me of the opportunity of everything I want to do and all the blessings I want to bring to you, your children, your children's children. It's your lack of trust that has created a lack in your life. How do we know that's what he means? Because of verse 10. Verse 10, God says, bring the whole tithe. Now, the whole part of 10% is 10%. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And then the only time in all of the Bible God says this, he says, test me in this. Try me. See if I'm lying to you. Do what I'm asking you to do. Just give it a shot. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room for you to store it. 
if you want that, you've got to do this. It's a, it's a if then. God says, if you do this, here's what I'm going to do. And this is exactly what God wants for you and for me. He wants to be able to protect and provide for you. And when we don't tithe, when we don't bring that first 10%, and then we don't look for moments to be generous throughout the year, we rob God of that opportunity. And so could it be, could it be that you're experiencing less than you could? And you might even think, well, I'm, I'm doing all right. It's actually pretty good. It's a wrong perspective, man. What if it could be even better? Could it be, if you're experiencing less, that maybe in some areas of your life is turned upside down and it's not going the way you'd like it to? There's some areas of frustration. Could it be that it's because of this one challenging but very simple thing? See, this is the button. This is what releases the next level of growth. This is what's holding you back. It, it, this, it, it's this, nothing less, nothing more, just this one area, and you're the one who can make the pain stop. You're the one who can make the symptoms go away. You're the only one who can say yes to what God so clearly expects of you and expects of me and wants to do in you and through you. It, it, it's up to you. Don't wait. The future is now. What you do now determines your future. The future is now. So if you want more peace in your life, if you want more blessings in your life, if you want more opportunities in your life, if you want more influence in your life, if you want more connectedness with God, if you want more love in your marriage, if you want more results in your parenting, the door to more is open through obedience. So today you and I have an opportunity because the future is now. And today, if you're part of C3, at C3, we have a huge opportunity. Yes, we've been walking through a pandemic, but we're not waiting. We haven't taken a posture of waiting for all of this to be over and for things to return back to normal. We can't allow circumstances to shape our understanding of Scripture. We have to let our understanding of Scripture shape our circumstances. The future is now, and we don't know what tomorrow may hold, but we have now. Our future is right here, right now. And in the life of C3, our values define who we are. Maybe you're checking C3 out for the first time. Maybe you saw a car magnet, you've heard from a friend, or you've seen something on social media, uh, or you've seen some signs or billboards from time to time. Hey, at C3, our values are the core of who we are. And we can't wait for everything to be perfect because people are in need right now. People need help right now. People are hopeless right now. The future is now. So those values, for example, we are addicted to life change. Life change matters to us. We want people to know Jesus. We want people to grow in their faith. We want every single person. We want you. We want me. We want us to become everything God created us to be, to experience the full life that God has for us. And so we, we, can't, we can't wait to love people because they need it now. Another value, we're contagious in generosity. We can't wait to help people because they need it now. Another value, we're also, we're in this together. What we do as a church, we do together. We can do more together than we could ever do alone. And so one of the things I think that's interesting to think about, if the early church, if the first church had waited, we wouldn't be here today. See, our great God can ask for the extravagant. Our great God can lean in and say, hey, the minimum 
you need to start with bringing that 10%. It's a step of faith. It's an act of trust. Our great God can do that because he's given extravagantly. Our God is a generous God. When he wanted an ocean, he didn't make a puddle. When he wanted a river, he didn't make a trickle. When he wanted mountains, he didn't make anthills. And when it came to rescuing you, when it came to rescuing me, he didn't send someone else. He came himself. Our God is a generous God. If you look back at the first 300 years of the early church, the first church, the first 300 years, there was overwhelming oppression from the Roman Empire. There were three devastating plagues during those 300 years. And the church, followers of Jesus, followers of the way, as they were called, loved Jesus and gave in such a way that after 300 years of overwhelming oppression and three different plagues that were devastating, after 300 years, Constantine, Constantine said that Christianity would be the official religion of the Roman Empire. Their love and how they used it and how they gave and how they served was so profound that it changed an empire. But what, what if they'd waited? See, the future is now. And Jesus said the biggest deal in life is that we love God and love others. So how do we love a God who's done so much for us? How do you love God? Do you wake up in the morning and hug God? How do you tangibly, practically, how do you, how do I love God? Well, Jesus said, if you keep my commands, you, you love me. And so part of loving God is doing what he asks. And he said the biggest one is to love God and love others. So how do we love God? What, what does that look like? When my heart is grateful, my response is always generosity. Because following what Jesus asks us to do with our finances is one of the ways we show God we love him. Why? Because you know and I know it's such a big deal. Like this is a big deal. And our God knows that because Jesus talked about money and resources and how we manage that more than any other subject. He talked about it more than communion, the Lord's Supper, and, uh, and baptism combined. He talked about this issue because he knows what a big deal it is. We just came through a season of Christmas thinking about the birth of Jesus and culturally we do this thing, you know this, you do it, I do it, where we provide gifts for people we love, our spouse, our kids, and we start thinking about that and we start planning, some of us early, some of us like Christmas Eve, it's like, oh man, I need to get something, Amazon can't deliver right now, I gotta go fight the crowds, but because we love, we figure out what to give and we know that we need to do something because of our love. And there's no part of, I love you, but I'm not doing that. Sometimes there are financial challenges, but even then we try to figure out a way because I, I want to have something to express my love. And if I can't do it now, maybe I can do it in a month or two. It's coming and we have that conversation. But we are entirely motivated by love because when my heart is grateful, when I'm engaged and I love, my response is generosity. But in John chapter 12, why is Mary so moved that she pours out a year's salary on Jesus? John tells us she pours it on his feet. Mark tells us his head. It, it's his whole body that ends up being covered. Why would she do that in John chapter 12? It's because of John chapter 11. In John chapter 11, about a month before, Jesus comes and raises her brother Lazarus from the dead. He's been dead three days. And Jesus tells him to come out of the grave. John chapter 11, verse 44 says it like this. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. 
What an incredible moment. And by the way, that's the opportunity you and I have as being a part of the church, part of our opportunity. It's interesting. Jesus turns to the people around and says, y'all take the grave clothes off. Y'all help him in this process. That's part of what happens when we give. We're taking grave clothes off of people. We're setting up the church to resource impacting lives and helping people and letting people know there's a way you can know God personally. There's a way you can grow in your faith. Your marriage can be better. Your parenting can be better. Your future can be better. Following Jesus is the only way you experience the life God created you to live. But when we think about that, I mean, she's so moved. There had to be that moment because they're having dinner. There had to be that moment when Mary looks up and sees Jesus sitting there and sees her brother Lazarus sitting there who was dead a month ago and Jesus raised him. And it was so moving as she hears them tell stories and she hears them chuckle and laugh and share in that time together. That had to be so moving that she had to do something because she was so grateful. And you might think, you know, if God did something like that for me, I would be extravagant toward him. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You were dead in your sins, and your children were dead in their sins. I was dead in my sins. My kids were dead in their sins. You and I were hopelessly in many ways living in, but certainly headed to hell. And God gave extravagantly his son. And in the death of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus, it set you free. It set me free. This has been done for us. We have experienced this. And she's anointing Jesus, and she's criticized for it. And Jesus says, leave her alone. She's anointing me for my burial. Because six days later, Jesus would die on a cross. And because of the Passover, they would be so rushed to bury him that they would not take the time to prepare his body for burial. So she doesn't even know in this moment when she's anointing him, what she's fully doing. This is the anointing. This is the preparing for his burial. And if she hadn't done it, if she had waited, she would have missed an incredible opportunity because Jesus said, hey, wherever the gospel's preached, tell her story. She's a part of it. And she had no idea. When you and I give to the kingdom of God, when when we bring the tithe, when we give the offerings or even extravagant offerings, We have no idea how God's going to use that to impact thousands of lives. And so I believe God is challenging you today. The great physician, he knows the spots where it hurts, and he knows the hurt that can be healed through obedience. I believe God is challenging us to step up to one of these levels. I want all the stories that I've heard about people that stepped into tithing and stepped into obeying God in this area, the incredible stories of what God has done in their lives. Because remember, he says, hey, test me in this. Test me. See if I mean what I'm saying. Bring the first 10%. Watch what happens in your life. I'll bless you and be a blessing through you to others more than you could ever imagine. I I want their stories. I want that to be your story. I want you to experience that. The stories you've heard, the stories I've heard. Man, I I want you to know that because the future is now. For me, it's simple. I want to reach people. I want to see God change people's lives. I want to see God do things in the lives of people and grow people, and I want to help you. And I want to make it as easy as I can, as the pastor of C3, to make it easy for God to bless you and your family and and for you to be in a blessable position by God, and you can. We're making it easy. So easy for God to do 
for you to do what God's asking you to do today, to reach your God-given potential in 2021. So easy that it comes with a money-back guarantee. There's going to be a link at the bottom of the screen, c3church.cc forward slash yes. And when you go to that link, I want to invite you to join me and Angie, our entire church, in what we're calling the 90-Day Tithing Challenge. And here's the deal. I'm asking you to take a step of faith. The door to more is open through obedience to do what God is asking and see how God might bless your life. He might bless it financially. He might bless your health. He might bless your relationships. He might, who knows what God's going to do. His blessings are far bigger. They are not limited by digits and dollars. God's blessings are huge. But if you'll take a step of faith and say, I'm going to bring the 10%, the first 10% to C3, and you can give digitally or you can give when you come on Sundays, those that are coming to the gatherings. But, but when you do that, it comes with a 90-day money-back guarantee because we're making it easy. If you get to the end of the 90 days and you say, hey, I just don't feel like God's blessed me. I did, uh, what, what I thought might happen didn't, and I, I can't see the blessings of God in my life. We will give you back everything you gave during that 90 days, no questions asked, because we want to make it as easy as you can, as we can, for you to be able to step into a place where God can bless you. And so I want to encourage you. Maybe you've been a part of C3. Maybe you're already currently tithing. You're bringing the first 10%. You do that online, maybe through our digital giving. I want to encourage you, still fill this out, because here's the reason I ask you to do this. Go to c3church.cc forward slash yes as soon as we're done this morning. It'll, it'll be on the bottom of the screen again. And when you go there, fill that out. And the reason I ask you to do this, I'm going to be praying for you. Our team is going to be praying for you by name over the next 90 days. We want to partner with you. We want to ask God to bless you. We are in this together. And then there's another step because the future is now. The offerings and the extravagant offerings. Some of you, you've been tithing and tithing has become coasting. And did you notice God said, you rob me when you don't bring your tithes and offerings. And so we are launching something today called the future is now. And everything you give over and above the tithe to the future is now goes toward the next step of C3. Some of you have heard me talk about that. We are looking for permanent space. We regularly get updates from those. We have a firm that's looking for us. We're evaluating opportunities, evaluating properties. And God is setting the stage for something incredible to happen. And I want you to be a part of that. So everything you give, everything I give, every single penny, some of you have been giving to our next step. Every single penny you've given, it goes in a separate account. It is not used for anything else. It is waiting and, and we're preparing. We're developing a financial war chest to be able to step into what God has for us when he opens that door. And so everything you've given is still there. And those of you that are new, man, join the future is now with us and commit, hey, and fill that out. I'm going to give this much over and above to what to, to the future is now out of generosity. I want to bring tithes and offerings. What are we going to do? This week we're going to live in the reality that the future is now. And together, we're going to use the resources that God brings through you and God brings through me to populate heaven and to reach more people than we ever have, to help more people than we ever have because the future is now. I want to thank you for just hanging out and just having a conversation. I also want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to get connected with people that love Jesus and love you. We are launching our community groups, and they happen online or in person. You can choose. You can go to c3church.cc forward slash groups, and we'd love for you to get connected because, hey, there's room in this family for you. We'd love for you to be a part of it. So check out c3church.cc forward slash groups. Can I pray for you? Let me pray real quick. God, thank you so much for this time. And thank you for this time with my friend. I pray you'd continue to work in their life, 
continue to grow us closer to you. And Father, I pray you would, you would help us to follow in obedience, taking this, this step, this premeditated generosity, the, the step you've asked us to take where we bring 10%, we give offerings above, and we watch you work in and through us to others. Father, thank you for what you're going to do this week and over this 90 days and throughout the year. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today. We hope this message encouraged you and inspired you. Would you share it with someone that you're connected with? And also, if you want to be a part of supporting this incredible life-giving movement, you can text C3 Orlando to 77977. You can also go to our safe and secure giving website at giveC3.cc. Listen, we love you guys. We're praying for you. We'll see you next week.